and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. We're here with Tom, we're here with Schnitzel, and we're here with me, Samrin, and we have a bunch of things to discuss. So let's get right to it. Germany played against Hungary, and that was Hansi Flick's first defeat as Germany manager. It was it was an excitingly weird kind of game. It excited me enough to want to talk about it, but I'm not excited enough to go back and watch the highlights because there just weren't that many. So let's talk about what we think went wrong with Germany. Tom, I'm going to hand it over to you. What do you think? Well, first off, uh, happy to be on uh, with you again, Samran, and then also uh, Schnitzel. This is a very, very exciting three-person booth. I think this is another first for me, Samran. Like last week was... I had a coyote meandering around my backyard and then was on the pod for the first time with you. So I'm just continuing to check things off the bucket list. This is assuredly the first time it's been this three person booth um, with you two. I'm very excited about it. But going back to the topic at hand, don't want to go on a tangent. Um, I, I was actually just, you know, <clears throat> I think people on the podcast have heard before, like my mom's also a, a massive footy fan and um, here. Uh, I know Samarin, you're just a few states away from me. Obviously, Schnitzel's elsewhere in the globe, but Schnitzel here in the States, it was actually on uh, Thursday on FS1 Germany, Hungary, while there was also a few big matchups. Yeah. Uh, that was a game that was televised on mm-hmm. main FS1. Uh, so for us, that was it was lucky. I had it on in the background at work and then watched detailed highlights and read all of our pieces and whatnot. Um, and I believe that's actually going to be the same. Uh, tomorrow at the time we're recording against England, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was talking to her about, you know, we were, it was showing the group, our UEFA Nations League group. And we're like, wow, you know, two teams that didn't even qualify for the World Cup in Hungary and Mm -hmm. Italy, uh, just running rampant in the group. And we just both commented on how, how solid both Germany and England were in their qualification campaigns for the World Cup. I mean, how many times you guys can recall how many times have we just breezed through qualification for either the Euros or through the World Cup um, and not even had like any question marks? I Granted, the groups are a little bit easier. Um, there's always going to be, you know, not stat pad or surefire teams. I don't want to say that, but opponents on paper where we diplomatically should really, really be beating up on them. And we do. We take care of business. So this, especially with the timing of these uh, international breaks, I really feel that the the Nations League matches are something that like Hansi Flick or Gareth Southgate respectively look at to just kind of fine tune and tweak. And I think one of the big things even Flick spoke about with this game wasn't obviously in the plans to have Leon Goretzka, Manuel Neuer, and even Julian Brandt sent home before the first match even happened because of illnesses, but such is the nature of the modern world. And you have to be safe. You have to be responsible and do the right thing in that sense to uh, keep everyone healthy and, and not jeopardize anybody else on the team. But, you know, he talked about the experiments that he tried to have in this match. And one of them, Jonas Hoffman playing at right back, which Hansi Flick admitted after this match was probably not an experiment he should have made uh, and something that he kind of regretted. Uh, and I think that like both of the times we've played Hungary before and likewise, some of the other matches in this Nations League group, like there's no, I don't, I can't, I don't think we've had like the exact same starting 11 tactically right. and personnel in any of these matches. So I think that kind of explains it to you right there. 
And I think this was another situation where if you look at uh, the overall stats from that match, you, you don't want to say it's just Bayern in a Germany kit, but you know, the amount of possession, I think it was something like 75, the lion's share of possession without uh, much purpose or uh, progress. You know, uh, I feel like we probably should have shown a lot more of an attacking threat, especially with the players. I think it was Muller, uh, Sané. Was it Gnabry who started? Gnabry that? started in the first yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and mm-hmm. Timo Werner, which you can have your opinion on that. I know a certain Chuck Smith is going to be all for it. Um, but I think we should have had a lot more uh, bite to our bark, so to speak. Right. And I was a little bit disappointed right. uh, to see the lack of chances that were created. And with those chances, I think it was only something like two or three shots on target with that amount of possession it against was, Hungary. It was it's very, just very light on shots not, on you know, target. There's, yeah. To me, there's absolutely no reason with that personnel that you can't have yeah. at least you know five yeah. to six shots on target yeah. and at least make the keeper work. And like I said, I just think collectively, I'm not really worried. I still think we're odds-on favorites to win the group right. and at least get out of it at the World Cup. But I think that's kind of what these managers are using these matches for because yeah. for teams like Germany and Well, England, wait, Tom, before like, you move, I want to really... pick up on something you said, and I want to sure, actually ask, ask Schnitzel's opinion of this. Schnitzel, Tom Go was saying it. that there were a lot of Bayern players in that lineup, and it almost felt like a Bayern-ish problem with the amount of possession that Germany had and still couldn't convert. What's your take on that? Was that an exclusively Bayern problem that was affecting Hansi Flick's team? Or do you think there was more and there was really an issue with Giannis Hoffman's side? No, I think it was definitely more than just a Bayern problem. Uh, Firstly, uh, Giannis Hoffman has played at right back for Germany before and he's done so really well. We have seen games in the past where he scored and assisted multiple times at the right-back position. So I don't think it's exclusively just to do with Jonas Hoffman himself because he's a player who offers a lot of offensive threat. And you know Gladbach more than anyone else. (laughs) And you know how well he plays. He turns up in every single game. He's like your most consistent player. I I guess I can say that. Yeah. So it's always better to have him in the lineup than not. And in this case, I think Flick just threw out a run, uh, a very standard back four. And I don't Mm -hmm. see any problems with it. In first mm-hmm. glance, I think, okay, wait. So I have a few problems with the game against Hungary. Right. Number one being that you do not underestimate their low block. Yes. They're a team that likes to just camp in their own half, but they can also exploit Germany on the counter. As we also saw in the Euros, they were mm-hmm. just brilliant against Germany. You were very lucky not to lose that game against them. And also and, Schnitzel uh, too. It's like you talk about the low block. How many Bundesliga Bundesliga players are in? I feel like there's so many Bundesliga players that most of our guys are used to playing exactly, week in and yeah. week out. A lot of uh, Union Berlin, SC Freiburg I players. Really like Hungary because of Sobozlai and Roland Schaloy. Roland Schaloy is a Freiburg yes, player. Yes, we know yeah, he plays for Freiburg. I, I feel like there's so many Schalays on Hungary too. Yeah. It's <laughs> tough to keep track of who's who. Like the one who Ad- scored, I think, is actually Ad- no Ad- longer Ad- a, a yes. Bundesliga player, Long but he was at one Bundesliga point. player. Yeah. So yeah, but he's somewhere so yeah. else right now. I think. Yeah. yeah. Coming back to the point, I was firstly baff- baffled by Flick's decision to start Timo Werner up top because, like, <laughs> you need goals. <laughs> you don't. You're playing against the side that likes camping in their own half. You just don't play Timo Werner because he's not that kind of a striker. He is someone who strikes on the counter, who thrives with another striker beside him and is not a lone number nine. He just cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And we've seen at Chelsea, we've seen numerous times in so many situations, even at RB Leipzig, you need 
Yusuf Paulson up front or Andre Silva or someone mm-hmm. else. He just doesn't do well by himself. So I think in this game, it was so frustrating to watch him because he just couldn't do anything like up front. It was like having a traffic cone up front and the other players were trying to get some play involved, but he, he couldn't do much of anything. So that was kind of frustrating. Yeah. And I also think that uh, Gundogan had a very, very bad game. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. City performances are generally very solid. Mm-hmm. And that could probably also be attributed to the way City plays. Mm-hmm. It gives him more time to make passes and everything. He looked kind of lousy to me. Mm-hmm. He was very slow with his decision-making overall, just not very sharp. And that also brings me to Joshua Kimmich, who hasn't been good for a while now. Yeah. Like, for both Bayern and Germany. And I'm kind of, I don't know what, what the problem is exactly, because he's usually a very consistent performer. He's very good overall. But... It feels like he's having a slump at the moment. And I guess he he he's the first person to scream if something wrong happens. So <laughs> now that now that now that you know his performances are starting to dwindle, the other players might feel like, you know, he's just having a lot of screaming and not much talking on the pitch, which is yeah. something that he's expected of him, considering he is the proposed leader of the new generation or whatever. Yeah. And uh the rest of the attack, well, Zane and Gnabry. Mm, Zane was actually pretty solid I think like he was the only threat in the entire attack Mm -hmm. Gnabry I don't even want to talk about him because I've been pissed with Gnabry for uh, for weeks now he's just Mm -hmm. very poor Mm -hmm. overall Bayern Germany both he needs to pick up his game he needs to step up and Mm -hmm. uh, the defense I think Niklas Zula was actually pretty solid I thought thought Rudiger was very good as well like Mm -hmm. he had a he had a pretty decent game I think the goal... Uh, with, was... with Rudiger, I will point out, though, it always looks like he's about to get a red card. He somehow yeah. doesn't, <laughs> but every single second. R- Rudiger, it's, Rudiger is like the, I guess, the defense ver- version of Casemiro. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of ramas in him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a well, I guess, known fact that I hate Casemiro. He's like my most hated football player in all of football history and the the main reason is how he gets away with cards like i know tom also knows this very well after yeah. watching both liverpool and bayern multiple times against real madrid uh-huh. and how casemiro doesn't ever get carded i, I think you can attest to that fact so yeah. rudiger has somewhat of the same vibe around him but he does get carded so yeah. i think this could be sticky could prove sticky and costly for Bayern in the World Cup if Rudiger gets hot-headed because unlike Schlotterbeck and other Germany defenders Rudiger just goes all in yeah and unlike Luca Hernandez he doesn't always go in with clean tackles so yeah I know there was someone too I don't know if it was like last year or two years ago he was like biting the shoulder or like licking someone's shoulder or something yeah Yeah. that was uh Premier League Uh, yeah that was was such a weird incident yeah Uh, yeah that was, it that was, was. I know it was a big time player. I just can't remember what match it was. It was. Was it in Chelsea? Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Any, anyway. Anyways, yeah. yeah. But Snitchell, so, I was just going to comment. So now, at least Real Madrid doesn't have two of those players, right? Rudiger, <laughs> Rudiger shows up, uh, and then Casemiro uh, goes out the door. Now he yeah. can do you it know. for uh, Manchester United, though. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, All right, guys, before, before we talk about Manchester okay. United, <laughs> so I want to pick up on something you said. Kimmich Gundogan. So I thought pretty much the same of what you did. Gundogan looked a little hesitant to make, I guess, to make quality passes through the middle. 
and he didn't seem as press resistant. Now, Tom, I want to propose this to you. Do you think that Germany's midfield needs a strong defensive midfielder? Or do you think someone like Leon Goretzka with a bit of muscle who has a lot of attacking prowess, which would force Kimmich to sit back more and just mind his defensive duties is the answer to that problem? I think more of the latter. Um, I would hate to kind of wean and shove Goretzka out of that starting lineup for mm-hmm. more so in a, in a Dimanchov sense uh, with Bayern. I have a little bit more confidence because we've seen how well Sabitzer has been doing, but obviously he's not German, so we don't have mm-hmm. him in that setup. Uh, he's got national duty elsewhere. Yeah. So, <laughs> so with just strictly for the standpoint of Germany, I would say the latter, like we definitely, definitely need that strong number six that whether it's Kimmich, I don't know necessarily who else it would be uh, and who Hansi Flick would choose. I just think with the familiarity he has with Kimmich from his time at both Germany and Bayern, he yeah. would be that guy. I think it, it is just very crucial who he pairs with him, though. Gundogan, I agree, uh, was a, a shade of himself at Manchester City against Hungary, but you know that could easily just be a, a one-off. I think I have full confidence for him to be at his best form for the world cup as i would hope all of our players would be to be quite honest there's a a decent amount of football at the club level to be played between now and when we have to jet off uh Mm -hmm. to qatar for the world cup and for the final roster has to be made but i think we saw like in the euros especially so that's just going back to the last time we were at a you know a big dance so to speak and how open the midfield was the amount of goals we conceded where we fell short uh in the final moments especially against england when we got knocked out um, I just think that our midfield was kind of run right through, and I believe it was Kimmich and Goretzka that started uh, that match yeah. as, the, as the double pivot. And for everything great Goretzka does, like you talk about the muscle, the, the kind of box-to-box nature, he can get forward, get in and around, opposition box, distribute, win balls back. Um, you know, I, I would the reason I would say maybe Gundogan or perhaps even someone else, you know, not mm-hmm. to say like it should be – Neuhaus, uh, even Musiala to yeah. be like a good name. Mm-hmm. He like, I think I even wrote something recently about Hansi Flick. Um, he was referencing a match against the Netherlands where Musiala had played as the six. I don't specifically remember what that was. Mm-hmm. If it was a friendly Nations League or qualifier. And Flick was like, yeah, Musiala did quite well as the six. Was like, it in the Champions League under Flick against um, Lazio, round of 16? Or... Well, he, he might have done Roller. that too, but yeah. he was he was speaking specifically um, for Germany, like against oh, the Netherlands. Okay. Apparently, gotcha. there was some match where mm-hmm. he played uh, as the six. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anywho, we'll try that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, who's to say it can't just be uh, Kimmich with with Musiala as another one of the central midfielders? That's a guy he can hang on to the ball. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fret under pressure. He shows no fear in attack. I don't care who's in front of him; he can get around him. Mm-hmm. You know, like at the highest opposition he can he can beat anybody 1v1 and i think all bayern and germany fans would agree uh with that he shows absolutely no fear and if it weren't for him for Bayern, we probably would be in a worse off spot than fifth place in the bundesliga to be quite honest but so to answer your question i think Kimmich, you know that six has to be there but with a guy like musiala or gundawan that wherewithal um you know that experience uh possession based i i trust those guys more to keep the ball, hold on to the ball and, and progress it and make things happen. Whereas Goretzka, I, I don't see as much of that. I don't think that's his style, but he can. I mean, 
to speak highly of it's him, hard. I mean, he can mm-hmm. win the ball back. He's a real bruiser, and obviously he's got the muscle uh, and the stamina, but also that injury history. You know, you never know um, how much he's personally trying to play through something right? versus, you know, making the right decision to say, hey, I'm not 100%. One of these guys can probably do the job better, and I think he's at that point where we've seen he's uh, not too happy to not have been playing uh, yeah. as much as he would like to right when he came back, which I, I've said on a previous pod, maybe he's a little bit, like, why would you expect to kind of waltz right back into the starting 11, especially with the amount of guys like Sabitzer and Kimmich before the slump who had been on form? Like, that's ben just a little bit of an unrealistic waiting. expectation. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys feel the same on that. But um, as it is, I, I would say that that would be the solid answer to the question. You know, Kimmich is the six and one of those other guys to pair him. Unless Goretzka, hey, I mean, prove me wrong. If he has an amazing run of form before mm-hmm. the World Cup, um, you know, th- there's this age-old debate go for the collective system guys that work with one another or go based off of form as far as guys you're picking for the national i think team. i think it's historically yeah historically germany has gone with guys who work well with each other miracles had years where his yeah. club form was awful and he would just turn up at international tournaments and he was not the only player that walked and kept consistently yeah. in the side even if even they were uh Gnabry has been like that for a while remember in Gnabry past, as well just on mm-hmm. fire for germany and you know, just bang average for, for Bayern, Bayern. And even yeah. kai havertz too yeah I mean, so many players go through those uh phases yeah. but yeah i agree i yeah. personally do think it's all about the collective yeah. and what 11 yeah. guys and what group of players are going to work the best speaking of kai havertz tom um Schnizza, let me turn over to you. What would you do about the front man issue? Would you get somebody else who Flick has not included in the squad or would you play in a false nine system? So I would not play Timo Werner. Let's put that out of the way first. <laughs> I think we got that. But, yeah. but like uh, definitely uh, Jamal Muzial on the wing because right now he is Germany's best winger and I guess the other players have to come to terms with that. A 19-year-old is Germany's best finger right now, and there's no two ways about this. Nobody is better than him. Not even Havertz, not even Gnabry, Zane no. at their best. Yeah. Muziela, especially against opposition and packed spaces. I thought I thought he was a must for Hungary. I was bearded out like why I, didn't he start? It, it's it one of those things with me. Flick's preference for experienced older players. He would yeah. always go with experienced older players. Yeah. So I would always have Muziela on the lineup, except when he needs to be rested or if it is a team that we should be able to steamroll against, like, I don't know, Faroe Islands, but like, mm-hmm. hey, they're not playing in the World Cup. So, yeah. so someone else, I honestly don't know whom we might face in the knockout rounds, but like definitely a must for almost every, you know, difficult opposition. So Jamal Muziela in there. And uh, Kai Havertz is a pretty decent option for a number nine role, mm-hmm. like as a false nine, because obviously he offers a lot more link-up play with the rest of the attack. And yeah. he also is pretty good in the air. Like he, I think he's starting to pick up form for Chelsea as well at this time. So mm-hmm. he's an option to consider. But we should probably also give some time to Lucas and Mecha to show what, what he's got. Because I'm, I'm on board with that, yeah. I think I think he has shown at Wolfsburg that he can thrive as a number nine, as a sole number nine by himself, mm-hmm. and he ha- he can turn up good, some good performances. Yeah. I think the main issue with Germany right now is they do not have an established world beater number nine, so yeah. they have to experiment with the rest of the attack and try to conjure up some you know sort of an attack where you have a player or a set of players that can make up for 
you know, someone like Lewandowski who would produce, you know, an amazing number of goals for Poland, but has a really crappy team to play with. So <laughs> they, 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 they wouldn't be going anywhere. Like it's so it's sad. Terrible against the Netherlands. He, terrible. he carries yeah. the team on his back. It's like, yeah. that is, the, it's, it's, I, I haven't seen anything like it. It's like, yeah. it's, I don't know, not even Jack Grealish for Aston Villa. It's like, this is much, 10 times worse. Like, Everyone other than Lewandowski in that team is like a Sunday League player. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah. But coming back to Germany, yeah. So I think uh, Enmecha or Havertz mm-hmm. up front, Thomas mm-hmm. Miller starts every game because he has... I mean, yes, you can say that. I don't know what that criticism was from... Mario uh, Basler. Ba- Ma- Mario Basler. It was yeah. very stupid. Like I think he's yeah. Müller is still one of the most in-shape players in the squad. He's mm-hmm. always fit. And it's not just... You know, as in he might be wiry and he always, he's always had a thin frame, but he, his stamina is off the charts and he yeah. keeps pressing throughout the game. And you need someone who leads the attack, right? We saw under Joachim Lowe what happens when you remove Muller from the squad and then try and integrate him in less than a few months building b- building to the world, uh, building to the Euros. Yeah, it was a massive mm-hmm. disaster. So in this case, Muller actually has that chemistry with the other players, so he's a must. So I think he can do well with Havertz up front. I like how Müller can also thrive as a second striker option. So he's not just a pure attacking midfielder. He always scores goals in the World Cup, except in the 2018 World Cup, which was like an anomaly. And also Mm -hmm. because we had a guy with a brain slug managing the team. And we didn't have Flick who was the true mastermind behind the 2014 okay. World Cup. We don't know that for sure, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> based on what happened in 2018. No. Okay, yeah. yeah. 2018 yeah. was terrible, yeah. but Müller is a must-have in World Cup games. And mm-hmm. I think Serge Gnabry needs to be benched for a while. This might I sound controversial, so but he is having a very bad run of form. Yeah. And he, it's unacceptable to keep playing such players, especially Werner. Like, I have no idea why Flick has this preference to always play him in every game. Like, maybe he just really likes the player. Maybe Werner has licks nudes. I don't know what's (laughs) going on. But, like, he should probably stop sticking to, like, very specific players or showing a player preference. Because I think Flick has one of the most deep or the deepest, like, deepest squads in the World Cup. And Mm -hmm. every single position has at least two or three players who can play really well. So, when you have so much depth, why not use it properly? Right. And with the Kimish and Gundogan question, I think... Goretzka would have started if he didn't have COVID. That I think so question. too. I, I actually think so too. Yeah. Again, yeah. he did score against Hungary in the Euros. And we yeah. know that Goretzka is very good against packed opponents. Because... And I think he came off the bench to score against Hungary. And that's what Exa- forced exactly. Flick's hand. Um, off a Muziela. Love's hand. Yeah. yeah. To start yeah. him in the next round. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that against packed opposition, Goretzka is really good. Gundogan mm-hmm. is mostly just good, you know, when you have... Uh, someone to pass to. You need to open up passing so lanes. Too, you have a lot of time yeah. to think and everything. But he is not exactly press resistant. He is a pretty tidy passer, and he can score some goals as he's shown at Manchester City. But mm-hmm. I don't know. He's always been a you know a notch or two below for Germany as compared to his performances for Man City. So I would just say that on a day when all the players are fit and ready to start. Goretzka starts always with Joshua Kimmich in the middle yeah. of the park. Yeah, this is yeah. not a new problem. We used to have this problem with Cruz at Bayern. He was very, very good, but he was not particularly press resistant. You needed Schweinsteiger, Gustavo Martinez, somebody to bail him out again and again. Also, is uh, yeah. is 
Florian Neuhaus with the team right now? Like, no, he's he's out with an ACL and he's out for oh, the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, 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 probably yeah, probably won't be back till. That is very unfortunate. Uh, it was, it I forgot a, about that too. It's speaking of like center mids, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was it was a horrible moment. Like it wasn't you even know? a bad tackle. He just kind of stopped midway, and it was. I was like, okay, he'll be out for two to three weeks. Then just, he had to be stretched off the pitch. It was. Uh, and then it was yeah, and then it was. That's why. No, that's not why. But um, when Goretzka pulled out, that's why Maximilian Arnold was there. Okay. Yeah. Something refreshing else, my uh, brain out. Just loud. pretty interesting <laughs> to note. If you look at the substitutes in the same game, the bench only has one other midfielder. So yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, we're short a on total options, of three but... midfielders. That is it. And I think Maxi Arnold yeah. should actually get more minutes. I think like, so too. I really he's a, do. He's, he's so a very industrious player. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so here's a question for you: If he's on the field. Does he uh does he get to shove Kimmich off of free kicks? Hey, I'm fine with that. He's a, he's a better part. yeah he's a better free kick taker than Kimmich if you ask me. So so I I'm not sure about the free kicks aspect, but then I would tell you that he is definitely more defensively oriented and he's much more stable. Yeah. He's like he's like Wolfsburg's Conrad Leimer. That yeah. is exactly how I would phrase it. Like he's yeah. just as industrious. He finds himself in the right spaces and he's really, really good in those defensive situations. And lately, Kimmich hasn't been that good. Yeah. Defense. He never has been like a Kante, you know, to be, to be very fair. But like recently, he has been very lackadaisical with his defensive responsibilities. And he also does this thing where he just like controls the ball and then takes like five to 10 seconds just like scanning the pitch. And then you have like players pressing him actively from the back. And then by the time they get to him, he starts to hesitate and then he just makes a straight pass and that leads to a counter-attacking opportunity. We have seen yeah. this so many times with Bayern. Like, mm -hmm. this just cannot happen. Yeah. Against maybe maybe once sides. that black eye fully heals, maybe it's been affecting mm -hmm. his vision. <laughs> maybe so, this was so like Tom, a... I'm sorry, Schnitzel. Yeah. I'm going to take something yeah, you said okay. back to Tom. Uh, sure, sure. The front man issue. So Schnitzel gave us his front four. Who would your front four be? Uh, oh, man. What is the... Do you remember, does one of you, real quick off the top of your head, remember the order for our group stage matches? I don't. I don't. Mm -mm. But I can look uh, that up for you while you're telling me. Because I know, um, yeah, if if you would. So I would think that... Um, so Germany knowing... is playing Japan for... Uh, wait, uh, yeah, Germany is playing... Uh, Japan first, Spain Japan first, second, yeah. Costa Rica third. Yeah. Japan, Spain, Costa Rica. So for that, I would say um, two of those opponents, and I think you can tell of which two of those are going to be are going to be very deep blocks much like we, we just experienced uh, against hungary so for that i don't think japan will necessarily be a deep block japan is Japan's a, bit a very good team yeah japan's a very strong team i highly i, I doubt they're gonna go for it um kamara could dance around the entire Germ germany team at this point well i mean with that said i still think um a, a false nine is the way to go the amount of attackers mm -hmm. that we have um, so with the way things are going, I would probably say my front four would be, oh man, because I'm going to have to leave <laughs> one of these guys out. It's probably yeah. not Gnabry for me, as Schnitzel was saying a few moments ago, would probably be the odd man out for me. I would probably say uh, Muller, Muziala, um, Havertz, and uh, Zane, probably for me, just mm -hmm. because of the interchangeability, uh, the fact that some of these guys can play on either side. For <laughs> Bayern intents and purposes, I'm going to tell you that 
despite the interchangeability, I would start Zane on the left flank. And all the other guys can interchange as much as they want. I think the space creation, whether it's a deep block, I mean, these guys aren't slouches either. They're very fast. Um, maybe Muller is the slowest of all of those, even though he kind of, as we talked about that wiry frame, he can still move. He's, he's no slouch. And what he lacks in muscle, he'll get his body in between the man and the ball and in the right spaces. As we know, Muller's kind of made a career about his spatial awareness and his uh, movements off the ball. Um, so I think all those things considered, a lot of spaces will open up opportunities will open up and you have Musiala in there too. He can take on one, two players at a time, take attention away. Someone's always going to be open in the box or on the edge of the, the 18, whether it's Goretzka, uh, Kimmich or Gundogan waiting for a, um, you know, a nice little shot from the edge of the box. As I painfully remember uh, Man City, him scoring that one when they beat Aston Villa three, two, but that's Last just season, pain yeah. and misery that I don't want to <laughs> relive. Um, so I, yeah, I think that'd be a, a healthy, a healthy top four front four for at least a one or two. Obviously you'd have to assume that there's going to be a few changes between the three group stage matches, especially for the third, depending on how the first two go and how results elsewhere in the group go, you very much want to play to the tournament and your opponents, uh, and not just the same people every time. Um, but yeah, obviously you'd, you'd want to say Spain and Germany are going to get out of this group, hopefully in that reverse order, obviously Germany being first, uh, and Spain second, but, yeah, curious to see what you guys would say if you agree with that that front four, or if you're perhaps uh, using different guys up top. I would, so, I would Samarin. use somebody. Go ahead, Shinzo. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we've spoken enough about the attack, and I think we're all pretty much in agreement with most of the players. Well, I and... would, I would make a switch. Actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't Ooh. play. Some, I w- is she going to say Timo? No. Oh, hold all on. Right. No, I would call up Mukoko, and I'd throw him in up front. I've been so uh, impressed by this kid for so long. And I know he has I know he has struggled to hold down that um that, oh, but is uh, that number is nine that spot. A, a little bit too little, too late though. That I you'd don't be like uh, Southgate so. calling up Ivan Tony and then not I even mean, in the match yeah, squad. <laughs> I know, I know. And I know Fleek will not I, long I doubt Fleek will do it, you know, because he, he likes I know yeah. he he likes his older players, but I I I'm really impressed by this kid and he knows he can carry an attack. He can carry the torch up front because Dortmund brings Mukuku in just because they don't believe that Mukuku can do the job. And then it turns out Mukuku can do the job. So it's, it's crazy. Like they literally get this guy on loan from Cologne and they don't even need him right now because Mukuku's doing a splendid job up front. The, the winner again in the Revere Derby, right? Yeah, the winner in the Revere Derby. And um, yeah, very, very impressive kid. And listen, Germany doesn't have many options up front right now. We've tried this false nine. And the more I see this false nine, I just feel like it doesn't work for Germany and it doesn't really work for Bayern either. But we will get back to that Bayern issue in a second because there's been a few interesting statements coming out. So speaking of Flick, and his preference for more experienced older players, it turns out our new Bayern coach, Nagelsmann, well, not so new anymore, also has the same type of preference. So according to a recent report, several players have noticed that Nagelsmann prioritizes age and hierarchy over performance when picking lineups and making substitutions. So for example, he'll bring on Chupo Moding. Actually, I haven't seen much of him, but um, instead of, say, Tell or Gravenberg, who who has been impressive whenever he has come on, but he hasn't seen 
that much game time. And I for sure think that if Pava hadn't gotten injured, we wouldn't see much of Mazrawi either. So, Schnitzel, let me go to you. What's your take on that? So, for me, I just think there are two sides to this. There are many sides, multiple sides to this. But uh, overall, I don't think it's totally true, like like 100% true, because uh, obviously he has given a few starts to Matthew Tell, and you cannot put the player under immense workload in the starting, uh, you know, a few games of the season because obviously he's just 17 and he needs to be eased into the game. Obviously, there are people saying that he's ready and I expect him to start more in the future. But at this point in time, it's all about load management for the youngsters. So I think he's doing a good job. And Jamal Muziala is basically starting every other game. So that is a youngster right there. Uh, obviously, you can Only argue that he's one of the uh, world's best players right now, which is true. But many people would still not start a youngster all the time, you know, because you need to manage the load. And that's what Flick also did with Alfonso Davies, if we all remember from yeah. the 2020-21 season. Like he uh, benched him or he didn't give him many starts because he wanted to manage the load, especially towards the second half of the season. And uh, I think Chupa Moting and the other players starting uh, uh, as, as substitutes in the previous few games, it was more to do with probably us needing a goal by like any means yeah. by hook or by crook and mm-hmm. uh, Chupa Muting is as good in the air as he is with both feet and Flick just wanted a target man who is dare I say closer to Lewandowski than you know any other type of striker because Lewandowski had this knack of like getting us goals in difficult situations that we simply do not possess at the moment like he just was I don't know he was just the most complete forward that we've ever seen at Bayern and I think that it is it is something we have to address at some point. It's just, I don't think Sadio Mane or Serge Gnabry is the answer to our number nine situation. Obviously, you can argue that a combination of the two would be pretty nice, but mm-hmm. we have a problem here, and that is we're not scoring enough goals. So, Nagelsmann yeah. is just throwing all those players out there to see if he can produce a result. Mm-hmm. And right now, wait, so Alfonso Davies is young. He's getting a lot of starts. Mm-hmm. Muziala is young. He's getting a lot of starts. Who mm-hmm. else? Uh, Mazrawi is not pretty exactly young. young. He's 24. Like I'll, I'll give him Pavard that. is 25, right? So Pavard, I don't think Pavard's only 25 or 26. I don't think he's older than that. Yeah, but yeah, but anyways, I don't see exactly where these people are coming from because I don't see any preference of that sort. I just think he wants the best possible set of players to grab a goal at that point in time, and whatever he's doing is basically just reflective of that. I don't think it's anything to do with more experience or older players are better or any sort of bias. Right. Well, and what are we considering old Samron and Schnitzel? For me, it's, <laughs> um, well, yeah. footballing years, obviously, it's gotten younger and younger. For me, any anything um, above 24, I would say, is a uh, good, even, like, middle even Delict. I think Delict is 23, if I recall correctly. Delict is very young. I was going to say Kimmich, 27, as a 31-year-old. I would hope that you're not calling a 27-year-old. Stop. Speaking yeah. of your age and these young players, tell us, what's your take? All these young kids, they're all just, they're all, they're all young to me, except for Neuer and Muller. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. But I agree with, with uh, Schnitzel. I was just looking uh-huh. up at looking some of the ages. I'm like, where are these comments coming from? Like, we yeah. have so many young players, uh, especially, I think people get confused with experience. Like, some people are like, oh, Delix, he's been there, done that, gone far in the Champions League, played for Juventus. But yeah, he's only 23. Uh, same with Masrao. He was part of that Ajax side that made that yeah. historical run. Uh, you know, 
And, you know, like like he mentioned, the other guys, Davies, younger, Tell, younger. He's been getting minutes. Gravenberg is young and he's gotten some minutes, but he's obviously himself not really in entirely happy with the amount of minutes he's gotten. He's expecting more. I think he said that when he's been uh, training and then has recently been called up to the Dutch national team for injuries to uh, forget that one guy's name uh, along with uh, Frankie de Jong. Coop Miners or something. Oh, yeah. Coop Miners. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Dutch names. I'm not even going to try to pronounce (laughs) it right. But yeah, I feel honestly some of this, some of that noise comes uh, in the form of the narrative. Like, obviously, we look at Nagelsmann's managerial trajectory. Remember, Samrin, I had such yeah. a t- tough time saying that word <laughs> <laughs> last uh, last week. I don't know why it's a tongue twister for me, but, you know, with Hoffenheim and Leipzig, you would argue he's on much more of a, a tight leash, so to speak, at Bayern. He Mm -hmm. could kind of be more free with his choices and his tactical decisions at those two clubs. And I think we saw that Um, both of those clubs not really playing with like a natural number nine. I mean, I guess if you want to call like Kramerich or um, was Sandro Wagner there when he was there? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, If if he was, was, then I think he had Munaz Dabur as well. Yeah, 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 he has, and he's still there as well. Well, yeah. I mean, so I guess, yeah, neither of those guys are uh, Robert Lewandowski, if you will, um, as far as a natural number nine is concerned. So I think there he had that freedom, and obviously any manager, whatever their managerial tenure was before, is not going to have that kind of flexibility and freedom at Bayern. As we've seen, we're in a little bit of a rut. We experienced the same thing last season, granted, there were a lot of different things working against us. COVID cases, yeah. obviously a, a very bizarre outlier with Kimmich and his vaccination status and then getting the virus and having to quarantine more than once. Uh, like that Gladbach game to start the Rukunda. It was like anyone who's not like really <laughs> sick, we're just going to stick you out there because we're really strapped for, for numbers right now. And I, I think that gave Nogsman a little bit more leeway, but I feel like so much of this is just uh People kind of feed into that narrative like Nagelsmann. There's already so much pressure on him, especially after last season. And now that we're in the midst of a rut, that pressure has really, really heightened. And he's kind of in the crosshairs, uh, you know, if you will. So I I think people might get misconstrued with age as a number. Obviously, when we're under the cosh and we're trying to get back into games and trying to, you know, save points and get points back, you're going to trust those more experienced players to know what to do. They've been there, done that because it's a double-edged sword too, right guys? Like what would, what would the conversation be like if, uh, okay, so let's say we started with Musiala, Muller, Gnabry, Zane uh, up front, or sorry, Mane in there as well. Uh, let's say Mane was having a, a match like he was having against Augsburg. We talked about this last week. The harder he tried, it just seemed like the worse it got. But you can't discount his uh, his his efforts. They were there. He was trying 100 percent. He got close a couple of times. But let's say Nagelsmann uh, pulled him out in like the 65th minute and and brought on Matthews Tell and Matthews Tell had an absolute stinker. What would the conversation be then? Right. They'd be like, why is Nagelsmann bringing on such a young, inexperienced player? Granted, he had scored just a few weeks prior. Yeah. Why is he bringing on such an inex- inexperienced player in this situation when we need to save some points and, and rescue the match here? So yeah. in that sense, it's a double-edged sword. And, and I just think it, it, you can't win 
in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, and I agree with Schnitzel. I don't really think yeah. there's this uh, age bias. I think it just has to do with experience and not wanting to put Byron and himself in an even more uh, dangerous or pressured situation. Yeah. Speaking of which, there has been even more disagreement about the system as well. So there was recently a part of the team, apparently, that wanted to play a different system and presented the idea to the coach. Nagelsmann stuck with his game plan, but basically the point is that they don't all agree with the 4-2-2-2, which has, which, which has been viewed critically within the club and has been identified as one of the reasons why Bayern is not top of the table right now. I mean, top three would be nice. So Schnitzel, what's your take on this? Do you think that system's working? Do you think Nagelsmann should stick to it? Or do you think he should listen to his players in cave? My take is that Bayern have not been performing well when the system was not played. The past huh. four games, it wasn't okay. a four triple two. It just wasn't. Mane was playing up front as an isolated striker. Mm-hmm. I think everyone could see that. He was just up front. He couldn't get any of the through balls. He couldn't get at the end of the long balls, vertical balls from Kimish. And uh, Müller is an AM, and we know that. And he plays on the wider side of the 4 2 So he is not a striker. Right. So with just Mane up front and Serge Gnabry on the bench, it was more of a 4 3 one But instead of Lewandowski, it was Mane. So this was expected. I mean, Mane I mean, is not yes. a Nazi and he yeah. cannot function like as a that. solitary striker. I think I've spoken about this uh, many times in the past. Mane not being a Lewandowski he offers many different aspects to this game. Like he is a wide forward and he functions really well when he has a partner who's also wide forward, like Mo Salah at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Like they both stretched the defense against any opponent they played and they were very good at passing to each other so they have that understanding which is somewhat of you know uh, what we see with uh, Mane and Gnabry but uh, it's not exactly the same because those players together were amazing at Liverpool Mane and uh, uh, Salah but Gnabry is no Salah and we know that he is not you know the single-handed x-factor that can carry (laughs) Bayern in games Unless you're That's talking about 2019-20 against English yeah. clubs when he just shows up Only you know, some, somehow clubs. in the Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's almost like he stat pads against English clubs and disappears against every other opposition. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, It's funny when I say this because usually people say English clubs are the best, blah, blah, blah. But like, here's a player who scores against the best and disappears against, you know, mediocre sides. So. He's a, he's a curious Sam, it's yeah. interesting think, that Schnitzel said that about the four triple two. Yeah. I know that like you can look at a match sheet when the lineups come out, you can do it on Google uh, who scored transfer marked. There's a lot of different platforms mm-hmm. you can look at, but just going off of the Google match each the past couple results, he's actually, he actually does have a point here because the last time we actually started per those match sheets, granted, which are very ballistic, they might not be spot on. They changed the last the match the, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And the last time we started, according to them, with a four triple two was the one one draw with Gladbach. And I think we of all the draws and the loss that we had, that was just more of Jan Sommer and poor finishing. There's really that's the one. Uh, draw I'm okay with like we play phenomenally well even Nagelsmann had said it at the time I'm pretty sure he had said that's the best we've played all season 
we just um, obviously, unfortunately, the opposition goalkeeper decided to break a Bundesliga record against us, which, <laughs> okay, you take, you swallow that pill. I like pill that, Jan Sommer. You I swallow do. that pill and you move on and you work on that XG because when you face a guy against Jan Sommer, he's going to make your XG stats look a little embarrassing. And then so obviously, I'm, I guess you, I you're so. saying, before Tom, that, before is you want to stick to the it four was all wins. It was, he, I mean, Schnitzel yeah. tactically is right. It was all wins before that. So yeah. what I'm trying to say is the problem arose when Nagelsmann kind of, I don't know, probably was pushed to do it. Maybe it was all the pressure. Maybe it was just him trying to tinker with the lineups. He moved away from the 4 triple, four triple 2 that was functioning really well towards the start of the season. And I think that is one of the main reasons why Bayern has uh, you know, seen a drop it in form. Like it. Mane mm-hmm. needs a support uh, partner up front. And if you want to bench Mane, then you need two other players who can take that position. And okay. Zane is not a forward. He cannot be a central player. He drifts more to the wider areas. And you have a problem where you have Zane, Muziala, and Müller all drifting to wider areas and sending in crosses. But who is there in the middle to score? Nobody. So you just have a lot of passes that we've seen in recent weeks, but a lack of the end product, the finishing touch. I mean, right. there was a statistic, right, Tom? It's like 90 chances generated or something like yeah. that 90 shots over taken. over 90 in three matches yeah, three, yeah. Three and just three goals scored yeah yeah that is i don't think you can see that anywhere else in europe like manchester city they generated the same amount of chances but they scored 21 goals yeah. look at that difference that's massive yeah. and schnitzel God. in that in 21. that particular gladback it was uh to give you Personnel idea, it was uh, Kimmich, Sabitzer, uh, Coman, Zane, and then Muller, Mane up top as far as your three sets of two going exactly. from obviously midfield to yeah. attack midfield to up top. I think yeah. that works. I think Muller can occupy that space. Yeah. I think Gnabry can do it too. Um, mm-hmm. And even Tell. I mean, mm-hmm. what the hell? Throw in Tell. <laughs> Tell and Mane. <laughs> Let's see that. Let's see that. Yeah. So with that, with Tom's newest slogan about throwing in tell, we're going to use that one <laughs> next time, guys. Uh, thank you. That's been a wrap from all of us here. And uh, yeah, I know we're ending on a controversial topic, but both <laughs> of these guys seem to agree on the fact that it's the four triple two that's right. working and nothing I mean, it is else. FC Hollywood. So it is be, FC Hollywood. It's always going to be controversy. Not, not much else is working. So as always, thank you for your support. This has been Schnitzel, Samarin, and Tom on your flagship podcast. We appreciate all your support. We appreciate all the comments. So please throw them in. We'll be there. We'll chat you up. We'll we'll have some fun with them. So you know where to find us. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on whatever, wherever you like to listen to your podcast at Bavarian FB Works on Twitter. And um, Tom, what's your handle? Where can they find you? At Tommy Adam 71, not yep. on there as frequently as the main BFW page, but I do try to keep it alive just to make sure it's, you know, not collecting too many cobwebs. And <laughs> I, I swear I will try and change the Liverpool picture to a Bayern one. one, <laughs> one, one and one. we have to remember only to take clean shits always. Yes. <laughs> that is, I, I, I told, I've said it in the Slack channel, um, that I fired off that quick tweet. Uh, it was either... I think it was after uh, we beat Inter Milan. Just I did that very quick and then got sidetracked for something at work. <laughs> if we win the Champions League, I'm framing that. He's um, going to winning. He's, winning yeah. is a misspell, and then end a clean shit. 
So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so as always, guys, we on that on that very weird note, be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Wars for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter. Like Tom said, you know where to find him at Bavarian FB Works for us at BFW in at the Barra Block for Chuck and more. You'll find Schnitzel and me around on the blog as well. So thank you, everyone, and enjoy the rest of your day.